welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. So, Chris, last week we were in 1 Samuel. This week puts us in 2 Samuel. And we're going to talk about a passage in 2 Samuel 9. And just the backstory, Israel's first king, Saul, blatantly disobeyed God. We looked at that last week. And because of that, God didn't establish his kingdom. He took it away from him. Now, Saul did reign for 40 years, according to Acts 31, 21, but the kingdom didn't transfer down to his son and the son after that, but it didn't go through his lineage after his death. And that's normally what happens. Instead, God anointed someone from a completely different tribe of Israel to rule his people. And we looked at that last week. That was King David from the tribe of Judah. Saul's from the tribe of Benjamin. So when we get to 2 Samuel 9, we see that David is ruling Israel. And because the kingship usually transferred through the lineage, anyone in King Saul's lineage would have been seen as an enemy when David took over. It was completely normal back then when a new king stepped up that they killed everyone in the rival family. We see that throughout the kings of Israel and Judah. Yeah, it's not like the kings of England, you know, or the queen of England today. (laughs) (laughs) A lot more bloody. That's right. And there was no secret service, so you had to constantly watch your back. Right. David remembers a covenant promise that he made to Saul's son, who's now dead, Jonathan, David's best friend. And the covenant they make is back in 1 Samuel. It's in chapters 18 and 20. So King David remembers that. And he asks if there's anyone still alive from Saul's family that he can show kindness to. So to figure it out, they summon one of King Saul's servants, Ziba, to ask him if he knew if anyone was still alive. Right. I'll read the rest of the chapter because it's not very long. And that'll take us into where we want to go. Ziba replied to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, one whose feet are crippled. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba replied to the king, he is in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then King David sent word and had him brought from the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell face down and lay himself down in respect. David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. David said to him, do not be afraid, for I will certainly show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall always eat at my table. Again, Mephibosheth lay himself face down and said, what is your servant that you would be concerned for a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to all his house and family. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do according to everything that my lord, the king, commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Rose, 
I read this story for, for a lot of years before really seeing the real point of it. So tell me what you see in this account. Mephibosheth's situation was, it wasn't just bleak, it was hopeless. He was an enemy of the king. He was lame in both feet and he had to be carried around. He couldn't do anything to help himself. He had no inheritance. He was destitute. And like we were saying, he would have been on the kill list of David's had yeah. he been any other king. Mephibosheth is in the same situation as all of humanity when it comes to standing before God. And that's the point of the story. We're all dead dogs who deserve anything but the care and the concern of the king. We're all on the king's enemy list. We are, absolutely. David is a covenant-keeping king, though. We talked about agape love a few weeks ago on No Trash, Just Truth in the What's Love Got to Do With It episode. Well, here we have an example of that. David chose to show love. It wasn't because he had warm, gushy feelings. He chose to keep the promise that he'd made to his friend Jonathan by choosing to love Mephibosheth, despite the fact Mephibosheth was an enemy. David starts by rescuing Mephibosheth from the land of Lodabar. The word Debar normally means word or thing, and the term Lodabar would mean no word or no thing. And most commentators describe it as desolate, without pastures, maybe even a ghetto. And if we take the meaning of Debar as word, then it really takes on a new meaning because now it's a place without the word of the Lord. It's a place away from the presence of God. So Mephibosheth is hiding out in Lodabar with his family. He's afraid for his life. He's pretty much in exile until he's rescued by King David, who should be the one right. person who hates him. Absolutely. King David doesn't just show Mephibosheth a little bit of kindness. He gives him a permanent seat at his table, making Mephibosheth like one of his own sons. But here's Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth is one of his own sons, or being treated like one of his own sons. And also, the king restores Mephibosheth's inheritance fully. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable, because that just didn't happen. Mm -mm. I think this story of King David and this helpless, destitute, exiled Mephibosheth is absolutely a picture of God in us. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. All of humanity is in the place of Mephibosheth. We're all in the same situation. But for those of us who are believers, we've been rescued and restored by the King, King Jesus. And if we're a believer, it's because God has chosen to rescue us, just like David did. And God's upholding his covenantal promise, just like David did. God is giving us an inheritance, just like David did to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth wasn't looking for rescue. He never even dreamed it would happen. He was just laying low and low to bar. And we can see that because he's terrified when he's brought to the king. He thinks he's probably going to be killed. Yeah. And like Mephibosheth, we come before the king as a fearful, empty-handed beggar. Dead dogs, enemies of God, according to Romans 5.10. But as believers, because of Jesus' atonement for our sin and his righteousness being imputed to us, he has put our fear of coming before God to rest. 
We are no longer enemies of God. We don't have to worry about being sentenced to eternal punishment in hell. And as if that wasn't enough, he's made those of us who believe and trust in Jesus, his sons and daughters, he has seated us at his table and he's given us an inheritance. Yeah, and we have all that forever. Just as Mephibosheth sat at the king's table from that day forward, so do we. Chris, as we read Mephibosheth's story, I think it reminds us all of the undeserved blessing that God has placed on us. We are helpless, hopeless, exiled sinners, enemies of the king. But the kindness of the king in wanting to keep his covenant, he brings us to his table and treats us as a son and daughter. Now, Mephibosheth's story doesn't end in 2 Samuel 9, but we'll save that for another day. Have a blessed morning, everyone. Thank you.